When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, welcome into the Nick Bob Podcast, coming to you live from the AOI Studios, a.k.a. my basement office. I love it in this office, and when I was making my office into a podcast room, I had a vision of what I wanted, and AOI made it come true. The desk, the design of it, the chairs, just all looks great. It's comfortable. I love it. And I've told you about the desk and the Aeron chair that I'm currently sitting in from Herman Miller with AOI. But you got to understand, AOI does it all, whether it's construction or furniture, AOI will help make your ideas a reality, just like they did for me. You got to check out AOI on the web, AOICorp.com, or give them a call, 402 896 5520. All right. On today's pod, ESPN college basketball analyst Jay Billis. This was a blast. Uh, Jay's just an amazing guy, super talented, obviously, but just a, an awesome dude. I, I first met Jay back in 2008 when ESPN College Game Day actually did a, a, a game of mine my senior year at Creighton. It was Creighton at Southern Illinois in January of 2008, and Game Day came to Carbondale, and then, you know Billis and Schulman and Aaron Andrews were on the call for the game. And of course, I knew I wanted to be a college basketball analyst. I've told you guys a million times that you know if I I could hit five hundred million dollar Powerball tomorrow, I would still want to uh, want to call college basketball games on TV. I mean, this is my one hundred percent dream job. So naturally, because of knowing that, I just hawked Jay when I met him at, at shoot around that day. I just was I was, I was all over him, asking him questions. Uh, I got his contact information. And the guy has just been great to me ever since, man. For 12 years now, anytime I've ever reached out with a text message to Jay, he always gets back to me. Always. And that means a lot. Like his support and encouragement for me, especially right when I graduated, uh, meant a ton. You know, I mean, it's... It, it, it was a it was a slow process for me to you know finally kind of crack through and 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 get games on national TV and, and you know he was very uh, encouraging and, and supportive of me and that meant a lot and so to have him on my podcast just it shows you how good of a dude he is you know I mean this is a guy that I mean think about it. he was in Waco Texas doing college game day Baylor Kansas on Saturday then he flew to to Florida and called Louisville Florida State on Monday night, and then I'm recording uh, this on a Tuesday, uh, February 25th, almost 3 o'clock. And so this dude, then the next day, takes 30 minutes out of his day to chat with me. Um, so it's just, he's an amazing guy. You guys are going to love this. We hit on just about everything. We talk about the old uh, college game day game he did of mine. He, it's funny to get his take on it, but we, we give... He gives us some great Bill Raftery stories. We we get into how we both kind of prep for games. And then, you know, we talk a ton of college basketball, who he thinks is the best team. We talk about Kansas and Duke and who he sees as the national player of the year, Fred Hoiberg in Nebraska. Uh, and, of course, 
Jay Billis gives his thoughts on the Creighton Blue Jays and what he thinks their ceiling is this year, and his answer might surprise you. Uh, th- this was just great. So let's get to it, man. Here is my podcast conversation with ESPN college basketball analyst, Jay Billis. Well, on the line right now is a guy that needs no introduction, so I'm not going to give him an introduction. He's Jay Billis, ESPN college basketball analyst. Jay, it's it's got to be the busiest time of the year for you, so I appreciate you taking some time out. How you doing? Always a pleasure, Nick. I'm doing great. How about you? I'm doing awesome. I got to assume you're not as tired as you were when you were calling games back in the day in the old Big East with Raftery. Like, how exhausted were you? On a day-to-day basis with all the late-night Diet Pepsis you'd have with Raft? I felt great. I never had a problem. It was my liver that, that <laughs> had the real problem. That, that was the issue. It wasn't, wasn't anything but that. I've gotten to know Raft a little bit over the last handful of years. He is just... I tell people all the time, like, he's exactly... What you see is what you get. He is just a joy to be around. That, that had to have been, like, some of the most fun periods of time of your career, calling games with him. There's no question. I mean, there was nothing better than that, and that's not to, to slight anything or anybody I, I've worked on or with uh, over the years. It's just uh, uh, Bill Raftery is a different breed, and uh, everything is is fun. And I actually told my wife when we started doing Big Monday, uh, Sean McDonough, Raft, and, and I did Big Monday for I don't know how many years. It was a while. I told her, I said, look, I'm never saying no to Raftery. So if he wants to go out before the game, during the game, after the game, I'm going. Yeah. And if I have to crawl to the airport the next day and I feel like death for five days after, I'm doing it. Smart. And uh, never once regretted it. No, he, I t- totally agree. Is it hard? I've never done, I've never, I've, I've called games, but never with a, with a second analyst. Is a three-man booth hard? Is it challenging? Raft would be easy because he's, you know, he's quick and succinct and, you know, he's so fun to be around. But is that is it harder with three guys? Not not really. Not when it's with with guys like Raftery McDonough. And uh, and it was really just like sitting watching the game with yeah. your two best friends. And so were, were there adjustments that all of us had to make? Yes. But it was really seamless and it didn't take long for me to to sort of figure out that look if somebody makes a you know makes a steal at half court and takes it in for a dunk it, there's no analysis for me required you know Raftery would just say send it in big fella you know and do all that stuff yes. and uh, and there were other things that that he felt like he would just point to me and say you take it right you know, we had a routine that every um, you know every pregame when we would you know go over our our sort of pre-show meeting. And the, the producer would say, you know, Jay, you take Zegarowski and and uh, and Raft, you take Howard. He would go, well, I wanted Zegarowski. <laughs> and, and and he would fake fighting over over what was assigned to me. And and we, we would just laugh the whole time. And, uh, you know, wh- whenever McDonough would be telling a story about uh, a player playing with a heavy heart because his dog was struck by a car or something, go into the story about that's making everybody cry. Yeah. Uh, someone would throw a great pass and Raftery would say, great look. And Sean would go crazy over it. Now, you know, you have to do that now. Uh, and, uh, and so we would just, we would compete to see if we could make Sean mad. Over oh, like that. that's too good. I always wonder if, 
I feel bad for the people that have to do the closed captioning if they're not familiar with Raft. You know what I mean? Like, they have to be typing in, like, what did he just say? Lingerie and the de- onions? You know, like, it's if you're not familiar with his style and his vernacular, it's going to be a little, little new to you. Yeah, and a little bit, you know, you have to get used to some of the references, and yes. some of which uh, which go towards his his late night activities, and <laughs> uh, uh, like he would at back in the day when he would say uh, he would say, you know, UConn running the stagger. Uh, uh, McDonough would always follow by, yeah, that from our resident expert on staggers. Uh, you know, st- staggering out of the establishment. Yes, that is fantastic. That is that is fantastic. I. Uh... Do you remember, as we're kind of in memory lane mode here, the this had to the the college game day game you did of mine, Creighton at Southern Illinois in two thousand eight in Carbondale, Illinois. I, I I don't even have to check this. That had to have been the worst game for college game day. The final score, I just looked it up, Jay. It was forty eight to forty four. Southern Illinois held us to one field goal in the final 10 minutes of the game. So 12 years later, after the fact, I apologize for how ugly that game was. Yeah, there's a lot of apologies that need to go around for that that game day. Uh, one, Carbondale, which uh, which is a difficult place to get to, Very. which I didn't realize at the time. We had to fly into St. Louis and drive, and there was a nightmare associated with that on the way back. Uh, but, but a very nice people and, and we had a good time there. But, uh, when, when you're, when you're doing a game where you have to, where the best you have is to use the telestrator on a closeout, uh, you got a, you got a rough night. There's no question about it. I will say this though. You said something about me in that game that sticks with me when I prep and now call games. Now, I may or may not have paid you five bucks to say it at shoot-around, but you you said Nick Baugh may not be Creighton's best player, but he's their most important player. And that got relayed to me, and then I watched it. That meant a ton for you to say that. And I, I try to remember that little anecdote when I'm calling games to to when I'm prepping because th- these games mean a lot to a lot of people. And even that seventh guy off the bench, the walk-on that gets it, it's important to know their story, their name. Like that little anecdote from you has like stuck with me when I prep even today. Well, it's nice of you to say you must have been the, the guy that scored in the last 10 minutes. <laughs> I was. For, for the Blue Jays. <laughs> but, but, you know, on a serious note, I mean, I've, I've always sort of remembered uh, something from when I was a player that, that how seriously my mom took it. And, and, you know, she saved all these tapes and, uh, and the v- back then it was VHS. And so if, if somebody said something bad about me or, or good or whatever, my mom took it really, uh, really, uh, hard. Yes. And, uh, and so I always thought about that, 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 uh, it, while, you know, the masses may not think uh, this is an important player, or this is an important game it's important to the people playing it and it's important to the people that are watching. And most people are watching for a reason. And if you don't think it's a highly rated game, whatever, uh, some people are really watching for a reason. So, you know, you try to give it your best effort and dig in as much as you can. Cause every game, every game's important. There, there's no doubt about it. Uh, okay. So let's talk enough memory lane of Nick Boz three pointer. He hit with 12 minutes left in Carbondale. Uh, who let's talk about this year. Who is the, uh, Who's the best team to you? I mean, has Kansas separated themselves? I don't know that they've separated, but I think their best is the best I've seen. Okay. 
Um, Florida State's best is it can it seems like it can choke off anybody's offense that that uh, that hopes to run any, and you're going to have to just make basketball plays rather than run plays. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I w- I've been really impressed with Baylor's defense, and I like um, you know I like Dayton a lot. I think Dayton's got an opportunity to do what Butler did back in 2010, maybe 2011. And uh, and break through and make a Final Four because they've got they've got pros, um, and and they've got depth and they're men. Uh, but I just don't see anybody that's going to overwhelm uh, uh, overwhelm with talent. And it's not like 2015 where you had a 38 no Kentucky heading into the Final Four and uh, you know Duke with three lottery picks, uh, three freshman lottery picks, and and uh, Wisconsin had Kaminsky and. Mm-hmm. And all those guys that that was a great team, and you knew th- those were Final Four teams. This year, there there are more teams that you're going. Okay, well, I can see how they could lose in in the Sweet Sixteen, or I could see how they could get clipped in the second round. Um, I don't think anybody can win this year. I don't go for the whole you know parity across the board thing, but I do go with the you know after after the first couple rounds, anybody can lose. Right. And uh, and and. It, it, that may be a distinction without a difference to some people, but you know, it, it's weird. Like before this weekend where you had, uh, you know, San Diego state got beat and all that stuff. And, um, it, it, the, the top four teams, uh, Baylor, Kansas, um, San Diego state and Gonzaga from, from January one were 52 and one. And that one was, was Baylor beating Kansas. Right. And, and sort of after that, you know, Gonzaga got beat by BYU and you had, uh, you know, you had San Diego state going down to UNLV and everybody see, see, it's, it's crazy. <laughs> um, now it's like 55 and four, you know, right, right. and that, that doesn't sound like parody. Um, but I think those teams have been winning, uh, at that level because they're, they're just more consistent rather than being head and shoulders above the rest. If that makes any sense. No, it makes total sense to me. We, I, I want to talk about uh, a team that I'm familiar with and, and here in my neck of the woods, Creighton, where, I mean, they're arguably the hottest team in the country or one of the hottest teams in the country. They've won nine of their last 10 games. They've won road games at Nova, at Seton Hall, at Marquette. Um, and they, they just beat the brakes off Butler, which, I mean, Jay, you know that doesn't happen. I mean, a, a program like Butler doesn't, you know, get beat by 20, 25 points with regularity. Uh, what, when you look at Creighton, what, like, what's Creighton's ceiling to you, Jay? Oh, they can, they can be in Atlanta because they can score. I mean, they're ridiculous. You see it all the time. They're ridiculously hard to guard. And the actions that they run, the, the, the player and ball movement, and then the fact that they've got, I mean, I call it shot credibility. They've got so many guys that can make shots from, from different spots and from deep that they can stretch a defense. And then all of a sudden, when, you know, if they make a ball fake, shot fake, whatever, um, guys are flying all over the place. And you have to close out, and they're really good cutters, um, good passers. Uh, you know, but I think at Biggie's play, they're shooting 40% from three. And, you know, they put up 90 and all these guys, like they, they score easily. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, Mitch Ballack's a great shooter and, you know, Tyshawn Alexander can score and guard. And I don't, I'm not sure that they're, they're more than a, a handful of guards, uh, point guards, you would say are, are as good or better than, than Marcus Zagorowski. I mean, he's legit. He reminds me a lot of, uh, except I think there, there are times when I think he's better in college, 
Reminds me a lot of Fred Van Vliet with yeah. the way he plays. Yes. And uh and he he's he's really, really good. Um so I think I think, you know, Creighton, um Villanova doesn't defend great, but they can score. Um, th- those teams, uh, I, I think could very well, um, you know, wind up in the final four. I don't know. I don't know that I would say, okay, well, I would, I would favor them over Kansas, a team like Kansas, but because they can shoot it, uh, from so many spots, uh, I could certainly see them winning a game in the tournament against them, even though in a seven game series, right. I would favor Kansas. You know, it used to be, and this is, I mean, obviously the game's evolving, where if you didn't have size, boy, you were just – it was eventually going to catch up to you. And Creighton plays small ball. I mean, there's times they play Damian Jefferson and Denzel Mahoney at the four and the five at basically 6'5 and 6'6. Six, six. But nowadays, you can kind of you can kind of get away with that. But, I mean, you saw a guy in Azabuki uh, over the weekend that just – I mean, that was one of the most dominant performances you'll see from an old-school, true kind of center how do you see Creighton small ball when they get maybe into the NCAA tournament and they run into some teams that do have size? Well, if they can spread it and you can you can pull a guy like like Azubuki away from the basket and knock some threes down and all that, I, I think I would compare it to like when Kansas played VCU in the in the NCAA tournament. Um, you know, but VCU pressed a lot back then, but they hit a ton of threes and just kind of kept Kansas on a string and kept them chasing. And that's one thing that 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 uh, not one thing. It's among the things that Creighton can do is they can get a defense to chase them. And uh, but in a in a half court game, it is going to be difficult for Creighton or anybody else at six five to deal with Azubuki not you know setting a setting a screen and rolling to the basket uh, and them just throwing it up there. And then Kansas is so good at at. Uh, you know, turning a corner and getting into the lane and forcing help. And once they toss it up, they, you know, six five, six nine, it doesn't matter. You help up against them and don't stay connected as a bookie, you're done. Yep. Um, but but if he's got to go out and chase a little bit and, and guard, you know, you, you trade three for two most often again. And if you can hit 12, 13 threes against Kansas, you can beat them. Sure. Sure. I, I'm curious. I want to get your thoughts on uh, last thing on Creighton here with on Greg McDermott. I mean, he's uh, you know, he's built three different, basically top 10 teams in the past seven years with, you know, Doug and Gibbs and those guys. And then a couple years ago before Maurice Watson tore his ACL, that team was 18 and one or 17 and one. And I think got all the way up to seventh in the country. And now this this Creighton team's in the top 10. What do you think of uh, of Greg McDermott, the job he's done at Creighton? I think he's a great coach. I mean, I first got to to know who he was in Northern Iowa, and then he went to Iowa State, and I thought did a good job there, but it, it didn't quite work out for him. And then, and then obviously he's done an amazing job at Creighton, but he can really coach offense. Like I know he's a good defensive coach and all that, but 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 he's he's a, a I would say a, a, an offensive savant, mm-hmm. and it kind of reminds me when I watch Creighton play. I'm not going to sit here and tell you I understand it. I appreciate it. Because uh, I'm not in their practices every day to be able to to you know break it down for you. You can do that, but it reminds me of when I was a when I was a high school college kid, and and when you would watch the the Russian team play, that they were doing things that you were going, geez, you just don't see that very often, right? And and the actions that they ran, and and actually there are some things they do that you don't see anybody else do, and uh, you know action against the grain, and they're they're just really hard to guard. And, and they make you make choices all the time. And, you know, they've got you, uh, turn, you turn your head, they're gone. 
um, it, it's really fun to watch and it, it can't be any fun to guard and it certainly can't be fun. It's not like you can go through a scouting report on Creighton and say, okay, take this away from this guy. And then we take away this, this ball reversal and we're fine. You're not going to do that. Um, their, their cutting and movement and ball movement, uh, is so good. And then, and then they, they shoot the ball, uh, at, at times where you're just not used to it. You're not used to taking it away there. And, uh, and, and y- y- they can have you shaking your head and, and, uh, and, you know, <laughs> hanging your head, right. uh, in, in a hurry. Uh, l- let's talk about Duke for a second here. There are only three teams in the top 10 in Ken Palm of offensive and defensive efficiency. It's K- there's Kansas, San Diego state, and then Duke is Duke a team that y- you think is, is could absolutely go to Atlanta final four caliber. Yes. Um, the, it, at their best, they're as good as anyone. And they've got a great point guard. Like uh, Trey Jones is a great point guard. Yeah. And I think if he stays at Duke, he'll go down as maybe the best one they've ever had. Um, he's, I think he's phenomenal defensively. He's a, a, a great passer, a handler, leader, and he's improved as a scorer. And then Vernon Carey is a, a special freshman with his ability to score with his back to the basket. Uh, he's a load in, in the post. Uh, the the one thing like in certain games this year they they've they've played young, uh, where you know maybe Cassius Stanley or Matthew Hurd or some of these guys they don't they don't kind of play through um, some difficulties. It, it happened against NC State. It's happened in some other games. But they've had so many players. Like I I think it's kind of amazing the record they have. I don't know what they are twenty three and four or something. Um, and they've won some really high level games, like the game, you know, the, the game they wound up winning against North Carolina, even though North Carolina is not a great team this year, they played great on that night. Yes, and, and I was there. Most teams would have lost that game to them. And then, uh, and then they turned around, beat Florida state where that was a, a classic letdown game. And they waited to have their letdown against NC state later, but, um, they're good. They're very good. But the young kind of gives you a little bit of pause, um, especially this year, where I think I think some of the experienced teams are going to have a are going to have a little bit of an edge over over talent. And Duke is not like if Duke had last year's team this year, you'd say okay, they're Final Four. Um, but they don't. They don't have that overwhelming talent. They they've got a lot more. They 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 appear younger. In, in certain games, a few more things I'll let you run, Jay. I, I Nebraska with Fred Hoiberg. They're they're obviously not having a great year this year. It's understandable where they basically put together a brand new team in the span of like a month and a half. But I'm curious what you how you see Fred Hoiberg at Nebraska and how you kind of see the Nebraska job because you know it, it's kind of been a pseudo graveyard for coaches. I mean, it's still the only, the only power conference school to have never won an NCAA tournament game. But Jay, the, like the arena is packed. The facilities are great, so it's like they do have things kind of working for them. How do you see Hoiberg, Nebraska, and things moving forward? I think Nick, it's set up to make a, a good move. And you know, I mean, I, I kind of snarkily several years ago when when uh, I was on a radio station uh, radio interview in Lincoln, and they were asking me, they were they were tired of the coach they had, and they were asking me, you know, should there be a change made? And I, I kind of jokingly said with some snark. You know, until until the current coach hangs as many NCAA tournament banners 
as is already up there, I think you should fire him. <laughs> and, uh, and, and they said, well, there aren't any NCAA tournament band. And I went, exactly. Yes. Like there's no tradition there. Like give the guy a break. Right. You know, you gotta, it requires an institutional commitment that Nebraska just hasn't made to basketball yet, but they have now. And so with Fred there, he's a, he's an outstanding coach and a great guy. And, and I think he'll do extraordinarily well there, but they, now the facilities and all that matches, the challenge that is in front of them in the big 10. And so I, I think Fred will do a great job. He, he needs to get some more players in there and he will. And I think it'll wind up looking a lot like Iowa state did under him where, where they, they can get up and down the floor. They shoot a lot of threes. They, they run a pro style offense. Uh, people want to play players will want to play there and play for him. Um, and, and he's got a background there. Yep. Uh, so it, 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 everything fits. And I think uh, a little bit of time, um, I think people are already feeling it, that they've seen some positive uh, movement and they've been like that game they had against Maryland. They've won some games. Uh, it's been a rough year, but but there, there are some positive steps being taken. So I don't have any doubt Fred will do really well there. National Player of the Year front runner. Who, who you got right now on February 25th? It's hard to go away from Luca Garza of Iowa, but but I'm going to do it because I think Obi Toppin of yeah. Dayton has been the player of the year. And you know, he, in a year where this is not a very good draft year, it's going to be largely rotational players. He, he's a he's a lottery pick and a top five pick, I think. Uh, and and I, I I I've been watching him all year long. I watched him last year, and I I felt like he was going to make a big jump. I didn't think it'd be this big, but uh, but he's legit, and they are legit. They play two. You've seen them. They play yeah. two point guards in uh, in uh, with uh, with Jalen Crutcher and Rodney Chapman and. Uh, they're very, very good. And I think that kid, Trey Landers, is as important a player as there is in, uh, to any team. He's not as important as Nick Baugh was back in the old Creighton days, but he's pretty important. <laughs> you can't go against what you said back in 2008. You can't deviate from that. <laughs> yeah, I couldn't have been wrong. That, that would never have happened. <laughs> I couldn't. Well, rapid, a couple rapid-fire questions, and we'll get you out of here, Jay. Uh, since you joined ESPN, best college player you've, you've seen live is who? Uh, Kevin Durant. Yeah, Kevin Durant was so good. Um, I mean, I know there are other guys that were older and played a more mature game. I mean, the best player I probably saw in college overall live was Tim Duncan. Yep. Um, aside from the guys I played against, I mean, I played against Michael Jordan and Len Bias <laughs> and Ralph Sampson. They were okay. pretty good. Were but uh, to watch, I would say Duncan was the best overall. And, but but the but but I was I would put Durant there. I mean, I, I haven't seen anybody score like him. What about best? college team you've you've covered since joining ESPN wow uh that would probably be um the 96 Kentucky team um they were they were ridiculously good uh and wound up winning the title that year um and had nothing but pros on that team so I, I would say that team but that that's a that's a tough one that's a really good question I don't know I don't know Duke 2001 was really good yeah uh, with with Jay Williams and uh, Shane Battier and Mike Dunleavy, Carlos Boozer, um, they they had a bunch of pros on that team too. Um, but you, it's funny, and that that's when you th- start thinking about this year. That's what we're <laughs> devoid of this Man. year are are pros like that. That's we don't right. have teams full of pros. That that's exactly right. Um, hardest as because you obviously do stuff for the NBA draft. What's the hardest aspect of of the draft to evaluate now? I know that's kind of like a broad one, but is there something? Is it just kind of projecting big men, or you know, like what 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 is what's the hardest thing to project now or evaluate? 
Wow, that's a good question. Um, the well, as you know, the game keeps changing, yeah. so keeping up with that and wrapping your head around that um, for me early on, uh, it took me a while to catch up to. You know what these the, the high school players um, don't get caught up in what they because they're they they can play. Like I kind of got caught up in Dwight Howard was just an athlete when he came out, and he was unskilled, and and he was, but but. So what? Because right. his, his athletic gifts trumped any lack of skill that he had. And so I got over that and now getting over the fact and, and to your point about the big guys, like there was a time and he, and I think it even extends to today where, you know, you're looking at Luka Doncic and, and DeAndre Ayton and thinking, man, don't you have to go with Ayton? And the answer is no, you don't. Right. And right. Ayton's great. Like he's having a, a great career, but Doncic is, is transformational. And uh, so probably wrapping your head around that. And then, and then I got over this a long time ago, just accepting that, that when you are, are laying out what you think about 60 players in the draft, that you're going to miss on a few. No doubt. And, uh, and so you just have to, you just have to let it rip. And if you miss, so what? Um, because like the, the teams, they're stuck with the guys they draft. And obviously our jobs are not as important as the jobs they do. But when you put that many opinions out there, you're going to you're going to whiff on a few and the ones you whiff up to you for the rest of your life. But that's the this is the business we've chosen and you have to deal with it. If you were a coach, would you foul up three? I would. Yeah, I I did a game the other day where where Bill Self did not. Yep. And uh, and he doesn't uh, very often, if at all. uh, But I would. too many things. The, the only thing I thought of, though, against Baylor is, is a good reason not to have done it there. Is Baylor's such a good offensive rebounding team that maybe maybe that's the better part of Valor not to do it there because of it. But that's a legit sort of strategy reason. Um, too many things have to happen for you to you get tied, whereas only one thing has to happen if you allow them to take a three. Right. And, you know, like in the Duke Carolina game. I mean, that that thing, you know, that the shot that uh, that Trey Jones missed on purpose that was one in a hundred. Yes. Uh, maybe, maybe that's that. And that's being generous to, to the odds. I mean, that could have gone straight up. It could have gone straight down. It could have gone all, all over the place. He not only had to chase it, you know, have it come off exactly right. He had to chase it down and then make the shot. Mm-hmm. Um, so a lot had to happen there. Uh, so I'd still foul. Final one. Favorite podcast you've ever been on hosted by a former Creighton guard. Oh God! It would have to. Uh, it would have to be um, Kyle Corver. Yeah, it would have to be Corver's <laughs> podcast because that was really legit. That was a lot of fun. Then Dana Altman has a great podcast. Oh. Well, it was former coach. Sure, sure. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd probably have to go with yours. Yeah. It, well, it's not the best podcast, but it's the most important. Yes, that is that. That is a mic drop. Best way to finish it right, right there. Jay, you have uh, you've always been good to me. You always uh, get back to me when I reach out to you. Uh, I think the world of you, my man. Thank you so much for hopping on my podcast. Well, right back at you, man. You're a true pro, and uh, it's a pleasure to know you. Oh, Parkville Media Production.